0: Welcome to the Creative Empire Podcast. Each week, Raina Pomeroy, the life and biz success coach, and Christina Scalera, the attorney for creatives, are taking you up close and personal with successful influencers in the creative community and tackling your biggest business hurdles. Their mission is to help you, creative entrepreneurs, think beyond your daily biz so you can make the brave decisions that build your creative empire.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of the Creative Empire Podcast. It's Raina here and Christina, and today we have Leslie Wong, who is the founder and the CEO of Burgundy Fox. It's an e-commerce brand, and you've probably seen a lot of their beautiful stuff, but they create enjoyable like lingerie for women of all shapes and sizes. And I just love the the brand that um, Leslie has created. So we're really excited to have you and to talk about your journey and how Burgundy Fox has evolved. Welcome Leslie. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm super
2: excited to be here. I listened to your podcast a lot and it was like a lifeline when I started Burgundy Fox, when you're all alone and you're in your you're in your home office with nobody around, just having the voices there is really Helpful. And you're so kind. <laughs> we're like your coworkers. I yeah,
3: I would love to be your coworker. So, Leslie, oh. can you give us a little bit of a background? Because actually, you and I met while you were still at the at Honeybook, and mm-hmm. now you're doing Burgundy Fox. So that's a big shift. Yeah,
2: definitely. It's like completely different businesses. So, I background on me. I studied marketing, and then I went to work in the hotel industry, and I worked for Marriott and Starwood for about five years, and then I went to design corporate events, and then I met the founders of HoneyBook, and they were fantastic and are fantastic, and I joined them really early and left left my previous job to go work in their apartment in San Francisco, and... You know, like my, my parents were just like, you're crazy. L- let's see how long this lasts. And, you know, that was a great experience. And then kind of fast forward to now, I would say like, you know, 10 years after I'd like first jumped into a career, I launched
1: Burgundy
2: Fox in March of 2017. So it's been going seven months strong and I can kind of, yeah, it's, it's been a really, it's been a lot of growth <laughs> since, since I kind of first started off.
3: Walk us through what it first looked like because I remember I knew you before, so I, I think I was yeah. probably one of your first customers. Oh <laughs> my gosh. I'm still a subscriber. And so it is, you know, this is interesting because you have a subscription model business for a physical product, which a lot of us are familiar with through companies like Birchbox and Dollar Shave Club those kinds of things. But you, instead of focusing on objects that, you know, run out like cosmetics or personal care products, you focus on delivering lingerie every month, which I think is really cool because personally, I never gave myself the permission to buy stuff like that. It's always like a nice to have, or if I'm walking through the mall, cruise through Victoria's Secret for a hot second. But I'm always like, "Eh, I don't know how I'd wear that. I don't know what I would do with this. This is cute, but you know, I don't know. So when you launched, I was like, "I'll try it out." You know, it was a it was a great price. I loved what you were doing. The mission behind your work really spoke to me. And since then, I've I've gone on to get this lovely box in the mail every single month that I now look forward to so much. Especially the packaging. We have to at some point during this episode talk about the packaging. Oh my goodness! I'm I'm looking at a box right now. Actually, I brought it into my office. I can yeah. Anyway, but so what? What kind of like? (laughs) helped you begin this subscription service? And like, why did you choose a subscription as opposed to just starting an online commerce shop?
2: Yeah, I I mean, it's so okay. So why did I choose? I guess how this whole thing started really was it stemmed from my own experience, which is a really important place to start something like a business or like anything that you're deciding to invest a lot of time and energy in is you have to really understand I think the the problem, you have to experience it yourself. I think that's like where you draw, you know, in the beginning, a lot of the inspiration. And then later, as you continue growing, like listening to your customers experience and like the problems they're having. And that, you know, that evolves. Like as the company had, you know, as the company continues evolving, we are listening to what our customers are saying. So we're listening to the women that, email us and they say, this is my size, and I cannot find a bra anywhere. And they're all beige, like they don't match. They're not what I'm looking for. And they're not cute. And I don't feel great. And that, you know, makes us feel fantastic that we can help these women that are being really underserved and ignored and undervalued in general in the intimate apparel category. But kind of why, you know, you mentioned, So intimate apparel in specific, because I went through the same thing where I felt intimidated. I didn't, didn't have a great experience going into stores, was really confused about like intimate apparel lingerie, never really had a great experience, like going bra shopping, didn't love buying underwear. It was, it was a chore, you know what I mean? So I thought, you know, this is something that we could bring delight to people by making the packaging really nice, by giving a donation from the proceeds of the purchases that actually helps improve a young girl's life. And I can talk more about the nonprofit that we decided to donate proceeds to and why it's important to me. And yeah, and I just decided, you know what, let's make this a great experience. Let's like help curate products for women who are also potentially intimidated Then when I started digging further into that experience for more women besides myself, because I think that's a really important aspect of creating a business is you need to think beyond your own experience. Like if you can't pull together a team that's diverse, that has different ethnicity, different background, different body size, like how are you supposed to create something that actually can appeal to a large amount of people? So I learned that there, you know, there are it's very limited sizing for women who are over size 14, which is a majority of American women. I think that's complete BS, and it's really unfair. creates It creates further body insecurity, and so that really it inspired me. And there's a, there's a few other things I think that are personal that inspired me to want to serve a market that was not being represented in intimate apparel and fashion at large, which is slowly changing, but. That's a long-winded answer. I know you you wanted to know about the subscription though.
1: Wait, so, I'm going to pause you for a uh, second cuz we can yeah. talk about the subscri- subscription subscription, totally. but I think I'm curious to see if you well, you started with your own issue, right? like the own your own problem of I'm not able to find what I wanted to find. and then you mm-hmm. it's kind of evolved in taking its like own life once it started and it's kind of taken it, I wouldn't say a tangent, but it's an intentional focus on body empowerment and this very big mission. And I'm curious, did you, like, at what point did you decide to make that part of your mission? Because I think you could have very well chosen to just be, you know, a, you know, a subscription model that's really beautifully curated for, you know, the, the quote unquote regular sizes. And that's, you know, that's a decision that you could have made. And I'm wondering when you decided or how you decided to take a stand on, on doing something a little bit different.
2: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I honestly pinpointed a lot to the time around when my niece was born. So seeing her grow up, it just reminded me of my own childhood. And when I grew up, and I had body image issues when I was 10. Like, um, I was teased for being fat. And it, I think had an effect. I mean, it was just It was, I remember being really, I remember being sad about it, crying about it in fitting rooms with my mom because nothing fits and you just feel horrible. And I know that even, you know, girls nowadays are are aware of that at a younger and younger age about body image and being self-conscious and being fat and not fitting in. And it's hard because everywhere you look, there are people that are, a majority of like one skin color one size and you just subconsciously get fed this message that that's what is valuable and it breeds really unhealthy things so that like you know when she was when she was born and watching her grow up had really made me think about what I wanted to do like what how I would want to improve this experience for her and for other women and you know around like my my 20s growing into my 30s i think i just also went through this time where i was becoming more self-aware and more empowered and getting more control of my own body you know in many ways like you know being being a strong woman not feeling like i had to hold back what i wanted to say in the work in the professional setting or in dating, or, you know, I I just felt like this moment where I was becoming more empowered. And I remember thinking, I wish in my, I wish in my early 20s, even in my high school years, my middle school years, all the way back to when I was 10 years old, that somebody would tell me that it was okay to be myself, and that I had options in the fitting rooms, and that, and that it was okay to not look like what was on magazines and television.
3: And it's harder. I feel like it's harder now with Instagram, which is why I really appreciate you doing what you're doing with the models that you've chosen. Um, Because, you know, I find myself in the trap all the time of, especially watching these kind of mom bloggers, like they're these young moms that have this perfect hair and like live in the Dallas suburbs, and like have these kids and, you know, this great diaper bag that I don't have kids but I'm jealous of and I look at them and they're they're skinnier than I am and I'm like you you've had you've had like 3 4 kids oh my goodness and comparing myself to these these strangers on the internet <laughs> but then you know it's it's always great to see your photos on your Instagram and I always look forward to seeing those pop up in my feed because they're real people <laughs> I'm like hey she looks like me not like somebody who just worked out at the gym for 5 days straight with no breaks so it, it is really fun and, and I appreciate you being that, that visual voice for some of us out there. When like as you're you're Kind of shifting into a new season, even with Burgundy Fox, you brought on a business partner. You have really upped your packaging game. I'm like a broken record for packaging, but I think that. And if you guys agree out there, leave us a review and talk about your packaging love too, because I'm a total packaging hoarder. Like I'll just keep it forever because it's so beautiful. If it's beautiful, so you know what? What's like behind some of those decisions? Can you walk us through what it was like as a business owner to? you know, like you already had a fantastic packaging experience. What made you decide to change to custom packaging? And just to walk you guys through it, because we're on a podcast and you can't see it, Which you used to send are white boxes with like kind of shredded paper that was burgundy. And it had, it always had like your branded cards and like a little gift with the lingerie every month. But now I got this amazing box. That's like, like a like a sub color of your brand. And then inside it's the burgundy, same kind of products, like great feel, look, everything. But the package, like the box even has your logo on it. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen. So you don't have to tell us where you got it because I, I think that's a trade secret. But at the same time, if you want to just maybe walk us through what what caused you without, you know, any kind of known impetus, like what caused you to change your packaging and make it that much better for your your customers?
2: Gosh, well, in the beginning, I had this vision and like the box that you have right now, it's not even like the perfect vision that I had. I'm really like, I'm like many creatives, like OCD. And I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm obsessive. I shouldn't say OCD, but I'm, I'm really particular about, about the, about everything with the brand, which I think when you're a business owner, you have to be, that's the level of expectation that I think customers have. And even if not, like I, I need to exceed, like I need to exceed what is normally out there in order to feel like I'm doing this justice. So like when I started, I had that vision of the box that you have now, but the funny thing is like, even with that, the color is like slightly off. Like on the next go around, I'm going to get it right. But the box that I first started out with, I think this is a really important point. I just started, like I just bought a box from paper source. You know, it was, it was, it cost me more than it would have cost me to like mass produce a bunch of boxes, but I wanted to get the product out as soon as possible. So I created like a first version, um, of the box. And that was the first one that you were describing, which was the white box with burgundy ribbon and everything inside. And it was just kind of more like it had this more like homespun feel. Cause it was, it was new. It was like a baby just starting out. And then as we started getting more customers and the business was around longer, I was able to find vendor relationships. And I'm like totally happy to talk more. If anyone wants to reach out to me and has questions about packaging, like, I was a complete newbie to it. Like I hadn't worked with physical products like this before, I had not worked in e-commerce or apparel. i had worked at like retail shops, but never had been in the business of creating something like this. So it was a, there was a, a learning curve. Um, but literally I just, I had conviction. I wanted to make it happen. I was going to figure out like any way that I could make that first version of the product, which honestly like, Going back to kind of my background in working for a technology company and a startup, like that was really influential for how quickly I got Burgundy Fox off the ground, because the idea there in startup is to do minimum viable product, like create the most basic working version that you possibly can and like get it out. And then you can, you know, learn from your customers, see what they like, see what they don't like, and then continue making new versions. And that is like, it really kind of frees you up of that paralysis that you can have of having this big idea and then thinking you have to make it perfect
1: until you can launch it. How do you kind of manage between, I'm trying to think of the word, how do you manage between like the, the being particular and, or the sort of perfectionist mindset and putting out like just shipping it, just having that minimal viable product and making it so that, you know, it's going to improve. How do you like get through all of that mindset stuff?
2: It's literally a, a done is better than perfect mindset that I had to start start prescribing to it was hard I remember when I first worked like going like when I first worked for a startup and you know started living and working in that philosophy it was awkward but for me I felt uncomfortable I didn't want you know I didn't want to do things too soon I didn't want to put things out there to too many people like I just was kind of scared to move quickly and then once you do it a couple times and you realize like, okay, nothing broke. And if there's a little problem, you can always go back and you can fix it. You can, you know, course correct it. That's fine. Like, in fact, like if there are, if there are little problems and little things get broken, that's good. Then that shows that you pushed, like you progressed and you got somewhere and then you know what you need to fix and then you fix it really quick and you keep going. But I think it's just, it's just a mind shift. I think one of the books I read, The Lean Startup, is a really great, really great book to kind of like shift your mind a bit into thinking like, how can I stop sitting on things for so long and just figuring out how
3: to get them out there? It's such a mystery, I think, to most of us. It's like we see this this thing happen and on the outside, it's it's very obvious that you put a lot of time and effort and energy into it on the inside i'm sure it was it was just crazy but you did you got it out there you did what you had to you spent probably more money and were less profitable than you cared to be at the time but it sounds like it's it's starting to pay off that people are noticing you sharing you just i mean on the customer and client experience alone i know i've shared you out to a bunch of people you know on top of all the great products that we're getting every month it's it's also really really fun to um, just have this thing that you're looking forward to that's just for you too which i think is important and we don't really talk about that much on the podcast but it it is important that this is like something that i'm doing just for myself like it's not an expense for my business it's not something that you know it's is something that i have to do anyway like eat food or keep a house decently clean or something like that this is like purely a luxury and it's it's pretty affordable at that so thanks for doing that and thanks for just getting started getting out there you also recently have added to your team. I know you talked a little bit about having a team earlier, but what what caused you, or I don't know if you can talk about this, but to the extent that you can, like what, what made you decide to hire or not hire, but like have a co-founder all of a sudden,
0: mm-hmm. and I'm
3: sure it wasn't all of a sudden to you, but, <laughs> but to us on the outside, we saw Alexis come in as your co-founder and that must have been a shift inside. So what was that like?
2: Oh, yeah. Um, So it was, I mean, it honestly is probably going to make, it's probably going to be one of the biggest difference in the company, at least in the beginning that I had Alexis join. So I was going about this alone or by myself. And I don't want to say alone, because I had a lot of friends and like fellow colleagues, I felt really supported Going into this venture, so I I feel really lucky that I was in that position where, like, I'd met so many people from Honeybook and from Rising Tide Society, and I've met you both from in you know during that span. And so I like really felt supported by fellow business owners, but still you know going about it in the day to day, I just felt like I had no, I didn't have a a constant sounding board, and it was interesting because Alexis and I were the first one of the first 10 hires at HoneyBook. And so we'd worked together already for a really long time and had established a really deep friendship and a really deep trust. So she actually was the person that I would call every day. We talked every day. And it's funny because she just said recently, I don't know how you spent time talking to me every day on the phone when you were doing this alone. Like, I still don't know how. And I was like, I was lonely and I needed someone to just bounce ideas off of. And it got to this point where Alexis was in a point in her career where she wanted to do something different. And she was working for any commerce product, a smart light bulb in New York city. And she, so she was at a company then and it got to, she, I was at a point in the business where I felt like if I really wanted to give this a chance and I think a lot of business owners kind of have that, like if this goes up in, you know, if this is going to go up in flames, I want it to go up in like blazing flames. Like I'm going to just go big and I'm like, if this has any shot, like I, I need to do it with someone else. I can't do this alone. It's crazy. I don't have all the skills that you know are necessary. And I think the point specifically where I thought Alexis, besides the friendship and the trust and like the working relationship in the past, it was her skill with customers. And like for myself, I was looking at the entire business and seeing that I was focusing so much on trying to grow. And marketing and acquiring customers that I felt like I didn't know my customers at that point well enough. Like I had just started doing customer feedback calls. So I scheduled a bunch of calls with like all the customers, all the customers that we had and whoever would get on the phone with me. And I spent 30 minutes asking them about not just their experience with Burgundy Fox, but their experience with shopping shopping in general and shopping for intimate apparel and why they joined it. And those were really enlightening, especially for the people who didn't know me, There's strangers coming and buying this product. So I was like, I need to do more of that, but all the time I need someone to focus on getting to know our customers and are really well, figuring out how to give them the best experience possible so that they stay and they want to tell their friends. And so I naturally, I thought of Alexis and I think I maybe asked her a couple times until she decided that it was something she wanted to jump into. <laughs> so it was pretty intentional. Like it was, you know, I, I knew, I knew what I needed to do. I knew the skills that I was lacking and what I was better at. And then I hired someone to compliment those deficiencies or those lack of attention that I was giving a certain place in the business.
3: What have you seen change since she came onto your, your team? we can, we can
2: move faster. I also think that there's more process. That was a big thing that I wanted her to implement was more process in how we, how our merchandising happened. So she's now taking that and it's been, gosh, she started in August and it's just a big weight. I mean, honestly, it's a, it's a big weight off of my shoulders and the fact that someone like I can trust that someone has fully wrapped their arms around that process and like that is so important so I think it's I mean I think as a business owner it's really important to know that just because you are letting something go and I have to admit it was uncomfortable in the beginning like I was scared it felt like someone taking your child you know Alexis does the so she does the merchandising and the fulfillment. And she lives in New York City. So we don't live in the same city. I live in Chicago. And so you know, it was it was like scary. And I vocalized that. Like, I think that was another thing is that I wanted to make sure that I was working with someone who I could be completely honest with. And like, would know that I was Uh, coming from a good place. And, and I also had to check myself and be like, Leslie, you're just scared. But this fear is irrational. Like, if you really want this to grow, you need to let go. And so I, you know, having someone take that over doesn't mean that I don't care. I think it means that like, I care even more. So she can fully like, she can fully manage that.
3: Have you heard about Member Vault? It's a new course delivery platform for online educators that focuses on one thing. Engagement. But what the heck is engagement, you might be asking me? And why does it even matter? Well, have you ever purchased an online course and, um, yeah, maybe forgot to finish it? Uh, my hand is raised. (laughs) This has happened to me definitely more than a few times. And guess what? I never purchased from these course creators again, like anything. And the courses that I have finished, well, let's just say I'm more than a lifelong fan. I've joined their masterminds. I've bought their coaching programs. I generally try to support them as much as I can all along the way. So if you are looking to fall into the latter camp and you want to create raving fans for your platform, make sure that you go to creativeempire.co forward slash member vault. That's creativeempire.co Forward slash M E M B E R V A U L T to get your free 30 day trial of this software. Not only will you get 30 days free, which should be more than enough time to get up, maybe even a mini course for you, you'll also receive free access to the course that's going to show you how to do this. This course is called the DIY Roadmap, and the folks over at Member Vault have set this up just for you. It's normally a $97 course that they're giving away for our listeners for free. And all you have to do to get it is go over to creativeempire.co forward slash member vault. This course is going to help you build your own online teaching platform that boosts your income and sells itself without you even having to go through a launch. So again, normally that's a $97 course that they sell on its own but they're giving it away to you guys for free along with a 30-day trial. CreativeEmpire.co forward slash memberfault is going to get you all those goodies. Go get them today. Hey, thank you, Elise Luddy, who said, Raina and Christina have done an amazing job of curating amazing guest speakers. It doesn't matter who they are talking to or if they are having a conversation with each other. I always learn something. I really need to start listening at home so I can take notes. Keep up the amazing work, Raina and Christina. Thank you so much, Elise. And thank you to all of you who leave a rating and review for us on iTunes We don't ask much from you. We just ask that if you enjoy the show, you go over there and you leave us a rating, maybe even a review. It means so much to us and it really, really can help us improve and keep bringing you this great content um, and even better guests that you guys request. makes it easier on us. So help us help you. Go leave that rating and review on iTunes.
1: So going back to when you started this company and when you had the idea, I'm sure if, if your parents are anything like mine, they were kind of freaking out about the fact that I was leaving a, a very stable job. I'd be curious to hear from you. What, what kind of tactical things were you doing in making that switch from a traditional job to becoming an entrepreneur? In
2: that transition, I, I'm, I did some work to see that my idea had demand. So, uh, I did some research about the market size. I did a lot of competitive research. This is all while I had a job like in my off time. So, I think I think putting some groundwork. Like I I created I created a pitch deck which I wasn't necessarily pitching. It was essentially like 10 slides about the company that helped me that helped guide that research. So I think that that was a really good idea because it took a lot of the, Oh, I'm just thinking about these things and maybe it's going to look like this and maybe the messaging will be this way. Um, and it helped put it into, into paper, helped me think about pricing. I also really soon after I had, left my corporate job, I went to a trade show where they sold intimate apparel and that was really eye-opening. I think, you know, putting some of those ha- making some of those plans while I was still employed was a good idea. I would say in terms of like finances, it, it's it's a, been a big learning curve for me. They say so they say that money is oxygen to a business. And I think in the beginning, especially for a consumer business it takes a long time for people to recognize trust and like know your brand in order for them to make a decision to open their wallet so like i i would have i would have accounted for that probably like what I, what i had saved times 3 just knowing that this is going to take a long time i think also like yeah tactically i would do some research, create a business plan, put it on paper. Save more than you need, but honestly, like, don't underestimate your resilience to cut costs on your living expenses, and also your resilience to sell, like, to push for sales. I think when you're up against, you know, when you're you're getting backed against a wall, like, you will become resourceful and you'll become creative about how to sell and how to get, you know, how to get in front of people.
1: So, you know, I would say like, I'm going to pause you for a second though, because I think the resilient ones are the ones that stay in the game, right? The ones that are willing to do the work are the ones that stay in the game. You're, you're not the kind of person who's going to make an excuse or find another way out. And I think it's really interesting that, that you said that because it it tells your character because we, there's plenty of people that I think, don't have that resilience and we'll just fall off and we don't see them anymore. So I just want to acknowledge you that you are one of those people that stayed in the game, even when it gets tough. Oh my gosh. jeez. Well, I
2: look to other entrepreneurs and I, I see how they're resilient. So, I mean, that's one thing I definitely, I want to continue staying in the game. And I know that, you know, I know that if you, if you have conviction about your, about your business and you see that there's a market, you know, that. That success is not going to happen in one year's time. Like I think it definitely takes time to create awareness. And that's one thing that it's hard, you know, when you're impatient, when you're impatient, like that can feel very difficult and just, you know, you're so, you're so like ready to just watch things explode. But, um, I think just like stepping back and having patience, like I know, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about that all the time to just being patient like patient with your business but working fast working really hard and like continuously pushing but not getting down on yourself because it can be really easy to kind of you know tell yourself some story that like you know things aren't going well like I should just quit but it's important to kind of just like stop yourself from that that was another thing in the beginning like I needed to like I needed to look at early progress instead of looking at this like big expectation of being successful and just being like, okay, like this many people are coming to the website. This many people have filled out style profiles. Like that is, these are good indicators. So like, I'm not going to get down myself. The fact that we don't have, you know, we don't have like millions of customers or hundreds of thousands of customers.
1: Like it's so early and, yeah, that's just that's important. Oh my gosh, I love that so much, so much. I feel like we want this standard of success for ourselves, right? We have. Have you? Um, it's like the eyeglass, uh, thing that he talks about, like where you think that this is where you should be, but your skills are, are like where you are is different from where that places and it takes you time to get there and he says like keep creating keep doing keep and it's more like art based but it's basically what you're saying is that you have this big vision of where you'd like to be but those small successes you have to show up for those or else you're never going to get there and so I just really I'm just like really appreciating you saying that because I have been there and I feel that way too where you think that you're doing something well and you're like wait why isn't this working but it's like the incremental stuff that really is proving that you're working. So I just so appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's so true. If you were to look into your future of Burgundy Fox and what's possible for Leslie in the next three to five years, what would you, what would you want to see happen in your creative empire? my gosh. Well, I'm looking
2: in, you know, even in the next year, I want to start to build more of a community and make the brand more meaningful and like as meaningful as possible for, um, not only customers, but also women that we are trying to reach. So, I mean, yesterday or was it Tuesday we launched our product and there's just, there's people already like come out of the woodwork and they're, they give you the, you know, leave negative comments and you're like, okay, this actually shows me that we do need to, be doing what we're doing. We do need to show different faces, different bodies, like let's normalize what is actually normal, but media has distorted as, as what is normal. And so I see us having more of a personal effect on people, and um, getting out there, not staying behind a screen, and even doing more pop-up events, you know, learning more about what actually our customers like need outside of just like the intimate apparel, lingerie, bras, underwear stuff. I think just trying to understand like how we can make a larger effect on our customers. And I really think if you are trying to, you know, if you you focus on the problem for your customers and you are really authentic to why you're doing what you're doing, I think that's going to guide you in the right place.
3: So as you or, if anybody else is out there and they want to join the Burgundy Fox subscription, how do they do that? Where do they find you? What kind of content can they look for from you?
2: Yeah, so we are burgundyfox.com and uh, Burgundy Fox Co on Instagram and all the other social channels. And then we also have a podcast called Seamless, which Raina is a guest on. And We really did that, honestly, because I was having these amazing conversations with incredible women and I was like, I want to get them out there further. It's just, it's kind of silly. Like we have this convo, it's trapped between us, let's get it out. So we have that as well. And um, we also have a group of contributors that provide content to empower women. So top business topics, wellness, style and and then we also have profiles about the brands that we feature in all of our boxes, which many of them are women created, and we love talking about their story. And then also profiles on other inspiring women, and that is all really just geared to empower people and represent different types of people that that are inspiring to others.
3: Thank so, you yeah, so much. You- yeah, thank you, Leslie. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. I hope you guys all go out, maybe get some cute little undies and go build your
0: creative empire. Are you ready to build your own empire? For more information, show notes, downloads, and tips on how to do it, head to www.creativeempire.co where you can find out more about this week's episode and the two lovely ladies behind it all, encouraging you to build your own creative empire. If you enjoyed this week's show, it would mean so much to Raina and Christina if you could take two minutes to go to iTunes and leave a review. It's a little thing that makes a big difference for the show.